you so much for coming out on a prospective stormy night. I talked to my wife a little while ago and she was downstairs in our basement protective area from tornadoes and the tornado was going through but it passed and thank the Lord for that. Now it's on the way over here. (laughs) So I told her, I prayed her through that one. I expect her to pray me through this one, amen. Well, I'm so glad you've come, and I know there are some who are watching us on your uh, computers tonight because you did not feel like you could brave the weather, but uh, thank you so much for coming, and, and thank you, Pam, for singing. It's always a delight to hear you, and God always blesses my life. In the foyer, in the back, and this is the only time I'll say anything about them, I have two books back there. One of them is a devotional that Johnny Hunt is the editor of. This is our ninth year to do it. Now, if you bought one last year, that's not the one that's back there. They're brand new. But I've only got, when I got it, I only have nine left, but one of them's been sold. So there's only eight back there, and when they're gone, they're gone. Now, they're $20 a piece, but they're leather. Green leather, you would be surprised how much trouble we had finding green cows. (laughs) I mean, they're just tough to run across. But anyway, there's eight of those back there. And then my book, The Truth About Trouble, two years ago when I was here, I preached a sermon, The Truth About Trouble. And I shared with you that God will put more on you than you can bear. Some of you remember that sermon. And uh, that's the lead sermon in that book. There are eight sermons in the book. And uh, it's $15 because it's paperback. And I've got just a limited supply of them back there. And when they're gone, I have another limited supply in the back of my car. All right? (laughs) All right. Now, that's the only advertisement I do for them. They're back there. And if you want to, I'll be back there at the end of the service. Be glad to sign them for you if you want that. Well, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to begin reading in verse 14. Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. If you have found it, say amen. Amen. By the way, no storms tomorrow night. So if you have to miss a night of the meeting, don't miss tomorrow night, all right? You be sure and be here. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus preaches perhaps his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Interestingly enough, it began with just him and the 12 disciples. But by the time the sermon was over, when they came down, the Bible said great multitudes followed him. Jesus was a wonderful preacher. Every time he spoke, he spoke the word of God because he is God. 
And people just thrived upon hearing him. And so every time people found out that he was somewhere speaking, I mean, they, they beat the path to get there as quick as they could. And so the service that started with 12 people ended up with hundreds and hundreds of people. But now they've come down off the mountain where he had preached his sermon. And you know, ministry, it, ministry is really, really fun. I've got to tell you, Ministry is fun when you're preaching to hundreds and thousands of people. But sometimes ministry is not about fun. Sometimes it's about dealing with folks where they are. In the eighth chapter of uh, Matthew, after he comes down off the mountain and the great multitudes are following him, Jesus encounters a leper. It's hard for us to understand the social stigma of being a leper in the day of Jesus. We don't even call it leprosy anymore. We call it Hansen's disease. It doesn't have the, the sting that the word leper has. But lepers in the day of Jesus were considered unclean. And they would not ever be allowed in the temple and they were never allowed to be in the presence of people who were not lepers. And even lepers did not hang out with lepers. People who had leprosy were usually pretty lonely people. They had to stay a certain number of feet away from people. And if the wind was blowing in the right direction, they had to stay even farther away. And if anybody ever touched a leper, they themselves became defiled. Now, the people of that day thought that leprosy was a, was a highly contagious disease, but leprosy is not contagious. You can't get leprosy from touching a leper. It's not the way you get it. But uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus and all these people, here comes a leper. And lepers had to announce who they were. They had to say, unclean, unclean. And people would just move away from them. But, but this leper came to Jesus and the Bible says, and he worshiped him. That means he, he just fell down at his feet. And Jesus said, what, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, oh, I want to be clean. And the Bible said, Jesus reached out and touched him. You could just hear the people. <gasps> I mean, Jesus wouldn't have shocked them more if he had a spit in their face and slapped their jaw. They could not believe that he who claimed to be so holy would touch a leper. But he did. And he healed him. And then... He makes his way into Capernaum and that's where Simon Peter lives. Capernaum is right there on the coast of the Sea of Galilee. Peter was a fisherman and you expect fishermen to live close to the Sea of Galilee because that's where they did their professional fishing. And as he goes into the city of Capernaum, a Roman soldier, a centurion, sort of like a captain in our army today, he had a hundred men under his direction. This centurion comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I have a servant at my house and 
But I have real special fondness for him. And he's very sick. He's, he's dying. Would, would you come? Would you, would you make him well? Jesus said, I will. Let's, let's go to your house. And that centurion said, no, no. I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. Jesus, if you'll just speak it here, it'll be done over there. And the Bible says, and Jesus marveled. You know what that means? It means he was just taken back. He just sort of staggered. And he said, I have not seen such faith in all of Israel. And Jesus healed the man from a distance. He healed the leper outside by touching him. He healed the centurion's servant at a great distance without a touch. But now he goes into Peter's house. And when he goes into Simon Peter's house, he sees Peter's mother-in-law laying on a bed. Now, the Bible says that she was Peter's wife's mother. Now, the Roman church says that Peter was the first pope, but Peter would not have been qualified to be the first pope because popes cannot be married. And yet Peter had a wife. And his wife had a mother. And that made her a mother-in-law. No man just goes out and picks up a mother-in-law. I mean, a wife comes with that package. And the Bible says that she laid. Now, that doesn't mean she was laying down. That word laid literally means to throw. Peter's mother-in-law was in the throes of death. One of the most interesting things in the Bible. Did you know that Jesus is the only person in all of history who ever had the gift of healing? He's the only one. Now, there were others in the Bible that had gifts of healings. Paul could heal people, but he couldn't heal himself. The disciples could heal some people, but they couldn't heal all people. Peter healed many people, but he couldn't heal his mother-in-law. They had gifts of healings, but Jesus is the only one that had the gift of healing for everybody. And there she lay in the throes of death. The Bible says she was sick with a fever. The Gospel of Luke, and you remember Luke is the medical doctor. He always gives the more accurate diagnosis. Luke says it was a great fever. It was big. It was strong. I mean, most of us, we get a little fever. We take an aspirin and we're on our way. But that's not what this woman had. She had a great fever. 
Most New Testament scholars believe it was malaria. Malaria was very prominent in that day and especially in that place there by the seacoast. People who have malaria can sometimes be so gripped by pain that they pass out and become comatose. That was Peter's mother-in-law. She was laying there in the throes of death with a horrible fever that had made her comatose. That was her condition. But the Bible says that Jesus cured her. And the verses that I read for you said this, that the fever left her. That word left in the New Testament language is aorist tense. That means it was immediate. There was not a gradual getting better. Nobody had to check in on her every day and say, well, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm a little better. No, no, it wasn't like that. I mean, the healing that came to her was immediate. Immediate. But it was also complete. It wasn't partial. The Bible says she arose. You know what that means? It means she waked up. She waked up. She'd been in a coma. Nobody had been able to speak to her. Her eyes had been sealed in comatose sleep. But immediately the fever left her and she waked up completely well. And you know what she did? She got up, looked around. Well, we got people in the house. My soul, Jesus is in the house. I've got to get started. And she goes to the kitchen and she begins serving. I mean, she has to set the table. She's got to cook the food. She's get... When Jesus walked in the house, She was in the throes of death. And when Jesus got through with her, and it only took a second, she was immediately and completely healed by the power of the Lord Jesus. And she went about serving others, and that's the way many times we serve him, by serving others. And so that's the story of those two verses. I've, I've given to you the account of three miracles there in Matthew chapter 8. The leper, the centurion's servant, and now Peter's mother-in-law. Well, how did that happen? The Bible says, and he, Jesus, touched her hand. He touched her hand. The touch of Jesus. It's a personal touch. You don't find Jesus just touching people by the multitudes. His touch is a personal touch. What you need may not be what I need. 
The hurt of my heart may not be the hurt of your heart. Your illness may not be my illness. Your spiritual walk may not be my spiritual walk. His touch is a personal touch. No matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter how much money you make or don't make, no matter how educated or uneducated you may be, Jesus has a personal touch just for you. But his touch is also a powerful touch. When he touches you, you're never the same again. The touch of Jesus. It was battered and scarred. And the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but held it up with a smile. What am I bidding, good folks, he cried. Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar? A dollar? Two? Only two? Two dollars. Who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice. Going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. And wiping the dust off the old violin and tightening the loosened strings, he played a melody pure and sweet as the caroling angel sings. The music ceased and the auctioneer with a voice that was quiet and low said, what am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, a thousand, who'll make it two? Two thousand, who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried, we don't quite understand what changed its worth. Swift came the reply, the touch of the master's And many a man with life out of tune, scarred and battered by sin, is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once, going twice. He's going and almost gone. But the master comes. And the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul or the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. There's not any problem you have 
There's not any difficulty that you face. There is no hurt that you harbor that cannot be helped by the touch of the master's hand. Last night we saw the altar full, just full. People coming to get their joy back, and I believe many did. You know, the real tragedy in a church just like yours is that there are always some folks who will see other people have revival and other people find their joy and other people enjoy the presence of God and other people get stirred and shouting during the singing. But it never seems to happen to you. Hey, don't miss your revival. He has a personal touch for you. Well, Brother Bob, I'm not a shouter. Well, I'm not much of one myself. That's okay. His touch may not include a shout, but it'll give you something to shout about when you get ready to shout. Are you sick? Do you have a disease? Maybe nobody even knows it but you and God. Some people are very private about their health and but but there may be somebody here and you've got a health issue. Why don't you come tonight and let Jesus touch you? You may have financial difficulty. Brother Bob, I don't know what I'm going to do. My job's in jeopardy. I just don't seem to be able to make enough to make ends meet. I always have more month than I have money. I don't know what to do. Why don't you come and let the master touch you tonight? Brother Bob, I'm having problems in my home. Maybe it's between you and your spouse. Maybe it's between you and your children or you and your parents. Why don't you let the master touch you tonight here at this altar? And then there are some here who've never been saved. Why don't you let him touch you tonight? Shackled by a heavy burden. Neath the load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me. And now I am no longer the same. The touch of the master's hand. Don't miss your revival. It happens at the altar. The altar is God's office. The altar is where we start over. It's the place where we begin again. You ever mess up? Why don't you let Jesus touch you? You ever said something you wish you hadn't said? Why don't you come let Jesus touch you?
Would you stand with me? Father, thank you tonight for this time we've had. Or the sermon hadn't been long, but I trust it's been enough. Lord, it's not my words that make a difference. It's your touch that makes a difference. Lord, we saw a great manifestation here last night at this altar. Oh, my soul. But Lord, there are folks here tonight. They came to church on a Monday night. And on a stormy Monday night. And here they are. And Lord, there's some here tonight who just need a touch. And I pray they'll come. I pray they'll find their way to this altar. And just say, Lord Jesus, please touch me. Lord, I know you touched me when you saved me. But Lord, I need a touch. I need a special touch tonight. And Lord, if you would touch a leper, and if you would touch Peter's mother-in-law, I believe that you can touch me. And my faith says you will. So Lord, would you do that? In Jesus' name, amen.